0: Chapter 47 of The Roots of the Mountains by William Morris This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Kindreds Win the Moat House The din and tumult still came from the north side of the market-place, so that all the air was full of noise, and face of God deemed that the thralls had gotten weapons into their hands, and were slaying their masters. Now he lifted up his face, and put his hand on Folkmight's shoulder, and said in a loud voice, Kinsman, it were well if our brother were to bid the banners into the moat-house of the wolf, and let all the host set itself in array before the said house, and abide till the chasers of the foe come to us thither, for I perceive that they are now become many, and are more than those of our kindred. Then Folkmight looked at him with kind eyes, and said, Thou sayest well, brother, even so let it be, and he lifted up his sword, and Face of God cried out in a loud voice, Forward, banners, blow up thy horns, fare we forth with victory. So the host drew its ranks together in good order, and they all set forward, and Old Stoneface took the sunbeam by the hand, and led on behind Folkmight and the war-leader. But when they came to the hall, they saw how the steps that led up to the door were high and double, going up from each side without any railing or fool-guard and crowding the stairs and the platform thereof was a band of the dusky men, as many as could stand thereon, who shot arrows at the host of the kindreds, howling like dogs and chattering like apes. And arrows and spears came from the windows of the hall, yea, and on the very roof a score of those felons were riding the ridge and mocking like the trolls of old days. Now when they saw this they stayed a while, and men shielded them against the shafts, but the leaders drew together in front of the host, and might fell to speech, and his face was very pale and stern, for now he had had time to think of the case of the bride, and fierce wrath and grief unholpen filled his soul. So he said, Brothers, this is my business to deal with, for I see before me the stair that leadeth to the moat-house of my people, and now would I sit there whereas my fathers sat, when peace was upon the dale, as once more it shall be to-morrow. "'Therefore, up this stair will I go, and none shall hinder me, "'and let no man of the host follow me till I have entered the hall, "'unless perchance I fall dead by the way. "'But stand ye still and look on.' "'Nay,' said Face of God, "'this is partly the business of the war-leader. "'There are two stairs. "'Be content to take the southern one, and I will take the northern. "'We shall meet on the plain stone at the top.' "'But Hall-Face said, "'War-leader, may I speak?' "'Speak, brother.' said face of god said hall face i've done but little today war leader i would stand by thee on the northern stair so shall folk might be content if he doeth two men's work who are not little hearted said face of god the doom of the war leader is that folk might shall fall on by the southern stair to slake his grief and increase his glory and face of god and hall face by the northern haste to the work o brothers and he and hall face went to their places while all looked on but the sunbeam with her hands still in stone faces she turned white to the lips and stared with wild eyes before her not knowing where she was for she had deemed that the battle was over and face of god saved from it but folk might tossed his head up and laughed and cried out at last at last and his sword was in his hand the sleepthorn to wit a blade of ancient fame So now he let it fall and hang to his wrist by the leash, while he clapped his hands together and uttered the wolf-whoop mightily, and all the men of the wolf that were in the host, and the woodlanders withal, uttered it with him. Then he put his shield over his head, and stood before the first of the steps. And the dusky men laughed to see one man come against them, though there was death in their hearts. But he laughed back at them in triumph and set his foot on the step, and let sleep, thorns point go into the throat of a dusky lord, and thrust amongst them, hewing right and left, and tumbling men over the edge of the stair, which was to them as the narrow path along the cliff-side that hangeth over the unfathomed sea. They hewed and thrust at him in turn, but so close were they packed that their weapons crossed about him, and one shielded him from the other, and they swayed staggering on that fearful verge, while the sleep-thorn crept here and there amongst them, lulling their hot fury. For, as desperate as they were, and fighting for death and not for life, they had a horror of him and of the sea of hatred below them, and feared where to set their feet, and he feared naught at all, but from feet to sword-point was but an engine of slaughter, while the heart within him throbbed with fury long held back, as he thought upon the bride and her wounding, and all the wrongs of his people, since their great undoing. So he smote and thrust, till him seemed the throng of foes thinned before him. With his sword-pommel, he smote a lord of the Dusky Ones in the face, so that he fell over the edge amongst the spears of the kindred. Then he thrust the point of sleep-thorn towards the hall-door, through the breast of another, and then it seemed to him that he had but one before him, So he hove up the edges to cleave him down, but ere the stroke fell, close to his ears, exceeding loud rang out the cry, For the burg and the face, for the face, for the face! And he drew her back a little, and his eyes cleared, and, lo, it was Hall-Face the tall, his long sword all reddened with battle, and beside him stood Face of God, silent and panting, his face pale with the fierce anger of the fight, and the weariness which was now at last gaining upon him. There stood those three with no other living man upon the plain of the stairs. Then face of God turned shouting to the folk and cried, Forth now with the banners, for now is the wolf come home. On into the hall, O kindred of the gods. Then poured the folk up over the stairs and into the hall of the wolf, the banners flapping over their heads, and first went the war leader and folk might and hall face, and then the three delivered thralls, Wolfstone, Godswain, and Spearfist, and Dalach with them, though both he and Wolfstone had been hurt in the battle. And then came blended together the men of the face, along with them of the wolf who had entered the market-stead with them, and with these were Stoneface and Woodwant and Bomey, leading the sunbeam betwixt them. And now was she come to herself again, though her face was yet pale, and her eyes gleamed as she stepped across the threshold of the hall. But when a many were gotten in, and the first-comers had had time to handle their weapons and look about them, a cry of the utmost wrath broke from folk might, and those others who remembered the hall from of old. For wretched and befouled was that well-builded house, the hangings rent away, the goodly painted walls daubed and smeared with wicked tokens of the alien murderers, The floor, once bright with polished stones of the mountain, and strewn with sweet-smelling flowers, was now as foul as the den of the man-devouring troll of the heaths. From the fair carven roof of oak and chestnut beams hung ugly knots of rags and shapeless images of the sorcery of the dusky men, and furthermore, and above all, from the last tie-beam of the roof over the dais dangled four shapes of men-at-arms, whom the older men of the wolf knew at once for the embalmed bodies of their four great chieftains, who had been slain on the day of the great undoing. And they cried out with horror and rage as they saw them hanging there in their weapons as they had lived. There was the hostage of the earth, his shield painted with the green world circled with the worm of the sea. There was the older folk-might, the uncle of the living man, bearing a shield with an oak and a lion done thereon, there was wealth on whose shield was done a golden sheaf of wheat. There was he who bore a name great from of old, folk-wolf to wit, bearing on his shield the axe of the hewer. There they hung, dusty, befouled, with sightless eyes and grinning mouths, in the dimmed sunlight of the hall, before the eyes of that victorious host, stricken silent at the sight of them. Underneath them on the dais stood the last remnant of the battle of the dusky men, and they, as men mad with coming death, shook their weapons, and with shrieking laughter mocked at the overcomers, and pointed to the long-dead chiefs, and called on them in the tongue of the kindreds to come down and lead their dear kinsmen to the high seat, and then they cried out to the living warriors of the wolf, and bade them better their deed of slaying, and set to work to make alive again, and cause their kinsmen to live merry on the earth. With that last mock, they handled their weapons, and rushed howling on the warriors to meet their death. Nor was it long denied them, for the sword of the wolf, the axe of the woodland, and the spear of the dale, soon made an end of the dreadful lives of these destroyers of the folks. End of chapter 47